You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Hey, hey, Jess O'Reilly here with my lovely partner, Brandon Ware. I feel like that was a stab at me. It was definitely a mockery <laughs> of you. I don't know if it was a stab. I'm just joking. It's all good. It sounded great. You'll know when I'm stabbing. Yes, for sure. I'm stabbing when I go, hey, girl. Hey, girl. <laughs> How you doing? I think you have a radio voice, actually. Yeah, I have a face for radio? You have a face for radio. <laughs> you have the feet for radio. Oh, great. <laughs> So we are just finishing up our third week of isolation together. And in the last episode, we spoke about how we're managing as a couple, what's working, what's not, what I'm doing to irritate you. Yeah, there's only, you know, it's a short list. It's growing every day, but it's a short list. Have you ever watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine when Jake and Charles Boyle are in a, a confined space for a short period of time? The list grows real quick. Oh, yeah, they're on a stakeout. Stakeout. And they're, on, they're best friends, but then the list of annoying habits starts to grow. We should actually, should we write ours down? <laughs> <laughs> we do have a large whiteboard. I don't feel like you have many annoying habits. One thing that's really nice since we've been home, because I do think little treats and indulgences make a big difference when we're you know, feeling stressed out. You make me a, a cortado every morning and a really good cortado. And it's it's so weird because if it doesn't appear, I'm like, where's my freaking cortado? I'm not paying for this kind of service. No, just kidding. Yeah, really, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, we're, we're functioning okay. But I wanted to talk today not about quarantine and not about isolation and not about the emotional challenges, but just take a, a, a question. And so... I've received a series of questions about whether or not you get a say in your partner's porn habits. So what do you think, babe? I don't know. You're putting me on the spot. My gut response is... No, what do you think? It's what you think. It's not right or wrong. Yeah, I'd, I don't know why. I mean, if it's... if No, I don't see why you would need to have a say in your partner's porn habits in terms of what they're watching. I mean, unless it's something really uh, bad in the sense of like is it misogynist is it I don't know I'm 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 I'm, you're putting me on the spot and that's just how my first response well that that's interesting that you bring that up because I think it's normal to feel uncomfortable with maybe scenes that depict degradation or age play or misogyny or other taboo topics Uh, it's okay to be uncomfortable with that but it's also common to be aroused by it Right. And so you can be simultaneously aroused and disgusted. Just because a fantasy or a depiction makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean that it's inherently bad as a fantasy. Now, if if your partner, I guess, is watching these scenes and then expecting to play them out with you or demanding or pressuring, and that's not what you're into, then I could see it being an issue. But we have to remember when actors consent to perform a degradation scene, for example, they're not personally being degraded. They're actors playing a role for pay with consent. It's, for example, if you take a, a Hollywood movie or any many of these scenes on Netflix, actors consent to playing out rape scenes, for example. That doesn't mean that they are being raped. And so I don't think we can assume that just because somebody's watching something or being turned on by something that they necessarily want to do it in real life 
or did they even want to act it out in fantasy? So you you gave us your short answer, which was no, you don't get a say. (laughs) Yeah, I also think that I'm envisioning somebody stumbling into their partner watching porn and being upset with what they see on the screen or on the TV, as opposed to having a conversation about it, about what they do and don't like and understanding, like you said, that this is acting. This isn't real life. Everybody's consented to it. And then as long as you're not expecting your partner to take on that role and play out that scene by default without maybe having a conversation, um, that that was just kind of where I went initially. And I'm not trying to backtrack on what I said. But No, what you're saying makes sense to me. I think, listen, it's normal to feel what you feel. And if I walk in and you're watching something and it feels upsetting to me, I do think that you have a right to speak up about how you feel. I don't think you have a right to dictate how your partner behaves. And I I wonder why do we want to? Why do I want to tell you what you can like, what can turn you on, how you can indulge when it's not with me? I mean, I feel as though if you have a desire to engage in a specific specific behavior, I want you to be able to engage in that behavior. I don't want to set limits on what you can and can't do. I do think though, when you're in a relationship and you and a partner can't agree on porn use, I do think that's an issue of sexual compatibility. And here's the thing about porn. So unless porn is interfering in your daily interactions and your daily life, for example, you can't focus on a conversation or hold a job or go for drinks with friends because you just want to run off to your laptop and stroke it off, which is not what we're seeing in, most ca- in almost any case, right? Porn isn't actually the problem. I think sometimes porn is the symptom of sexual incompatibility or porn is a symptom of a lack of communication. And I think you hit the nail on the head that this is really about talking about how you feel. So if if you're watching porn and it makes me uncomfortable, maybe it's, you know, just something that it's a scene that makes me feel like, wow, that's so different than what we do. Uh, I feel like I can't fulfill your fantasies. I feel insecure. If I could talk about those feelings instead of just shutting it down and saying, you know, you're a pervert or don't watch that or, you know, we're, you, I, we have to mutually consent because we're in a monogamous relationship. I think we just need to have the conversations about how we're feeling. So it's important to tell your partner, okay, I feel jealous or I feel uncomfortable and I have a right to say that. And they also have a right to express how they feel about this porn. Maybe it makes them feel excited or entertained or passionate or curious or gives them a sense of escape from reality and you're both or all parties are entitled to their feelings. And here's the other piece that I think we don't always recognize. We're also responsible for our own feelings. So your partner, like you Brandon, let's say you're watching something and it upsets me. It's not necessarily just the fact that you were watching it that upsets me. It's my emotional response is complex, is influenced by so many different factors. My past, my sexual values, my sexual associations, my mood, my sleep, previous relationships, my own experiences with porn. So I can't say when you watch that, it made me feel okay. It may have precipitated that feeling, but many other complex factors built toward that feeling in my life. So I can say to you, I want you to take my feelings into consideration and I want to have a dialogue about porn and hopefully you're both willing to listen and consider one another's feelings but this doesn't mean that you have to adjust your behavior to make me feel better. Maybe I need to change the way I think to make myself feel better. 
That's what I. That's where I wanted to go with this too. Was just what you're saying is that it's the assumption that the person who is uncomfortable expresses that, but it's on both parties to communicate because just because you say you tell me that you're not comfortable with something, I think as long as there's a willingness for you to listen to what I have to say as well, then that communication, that dialogue will continue and. You know, great things can come from these conversations that are really awkward and uncomfortable to have. I mean, yesterday we got into an argument here at home. And About the horse porn you were watching? <laughs> really? I don't, I don't remember that. But yeah, sure, maybe. All the days are a blur these I days. I think he was half horse, half man. Wow. This is getting real, <laughs> real quick. But in all seriousness, we got into an argument. And I think my normal response would have been to, or not my normal, but over the years I've learned to, okay, just take a deep breath think about, you know, the root cause and the root issue here and listen, just listen. And, you know, doing that allowed me to understand your perspective, also understand my own perspective and convey to you properly how I was feeling, but also understand how you were feeling. So at the end, I came out feeling a lot better or at least better than I thought I would have after that argument. And it wasn't about porn. It was about... No, um, it was unrelated. <laughs> it but was, I mean, to say what it was about, it sounds so ridiculous, but it was really about going for a walk. So yesterday I was cleaning out, I wanted to clean out the pantry in the basement and I ended up finding uh, a little bit of mold at the bottom of it. And the mold had gone through to the wall, so we had to remove this pantry. And actually, we had to dis we have to discard of it because we couldn't get yeah. the mold off. Yeah. And so I was really frustrated and trying to find a home for all of our canned goods that were in this pantry. Well, welcome to our world. Right? Yeah. Very <laughs> exciting, right? <laughs> Nothing what? but swinging from the chandeliers here Let me just all tell day. you that we're supposed to be in Rome today. I know. So I was thinking my about big that. 40th celebration... Uh, it's a bit delayed. I turned 40 in February, but we were supposed to fly to Rome last night with 14, 14 of, our friends. of our closest friends and family for like our dream party. And we, we were supposed to, oh, not Rome, sorry. We're, yeah, we're going to Rome for a few days. And then a very good uh, friend of ours invited us to his his place in Montalcino. So if you're a Brunello drinker, you'll be familiar with Montalcino. And then, yeah, we had this week-long party planned for Florence. So major first world problems. I, I'm Big not, time. I'm like a little bit disappointed, but I, I didn't really get that upset about it because I get that my situation is better than most people in the world right now. And we'll do it another time. But so, yeah, I think I was maybe on edge, too, because it was supposed to be this big party that we've been planning for, you know, six months. And so I instead I'm cleaning mold out of the pantry. But this, the these are... but and then you had wanted to go for a walk and I, I was just so fixated on finishing this pantry, right? Finishing, figuring out where the hell all my stuff was going to go now that I lost my pantry to mold. So, and you asked me twice and I was really irritated and I was like, you're, you're bothering me. And then you said something along the lines of, you know, you need to be open to other people's perspectives and that really set me off because I felt that you were saying that I'm not open when in fact you're right I was not open yesterday at that time it wasn't just that I was fixating on the fixated on the pantry I was also waiting for my uh, liquor delivery to arrive <laughs> so this is it's getting real here man multiple layers yeah I ordered some some a case of wine so this is our new routine of Saturdays but even <laughs> even listening to you dissect the conversation last night is already making me think about some of these other issues that are present that in the moment I couldn't think about because I was too wrapped up emotionally in what was happening. So it's really hard for me to take a step back in the midst of everything and 
and to be able to think logically about, okay, why am I thinking this way? Why am I feeling this way? And am I still able to have this conversation? And also, Brandon, shut up and just listen when somebody else is speaking so that you can understand their perspective rather than knee-jerk and go back to what's bothering me, how I'm thinking, how I'm feeling. It's like, okay, sure, this is a two-way street. Communication, effective communication requires listening more so probably than speaking. You said something that really resonates with me, and it reminds me of Shamira Howard, who's a fellow sex therapist. She says you need to listen to understand. And she said you you don't agree to disagree, you agree to understand. And so even if you disagree, there has to be understanding. Anyhow, you said, really, I need to listen to try and understand. And I think you're really good at that. You're really good at sitting back and listening, or at least you're silent. I don't know if you're listening yeah. <laughs> to understand. I'm just silent, yes. Uh, I was thinking, here's how I saw it, and I don't know if you see it differently. I know we didn't plan on talking about this, but you saw that I was frustrated. I was irritated, and you wanted to fix it. And you wanted to fix it by having me go for a walk. And I felt like you were fixated on, like, if we go for a walk, she'll be better. I need to solve her problem. And for me, sometimes that sets me off because I'm like, no, can I just be frustrated? I just want to be I just want to be pissy for an hour. <laughs> you don't have to talk to me. You go for a walk. But I want to be pissy in my pantry. <laughs> okay, so they're going to say something else. But yeah, no, I, I think that I, in the past, tended to be very solution-focused and more so solution-focused on the problem, which I perceived there to be, when in reality, I perceived a problem that may not have been a problem. But all of this is so difficult, I think, when you're first getting started with the decision to change or to improve yourself. I think back to how I used to respond to arguments and fights 10, 15, you know, almost 20 years ago since we first moved in together. And that, that evolution t- takes time. It takes a willingness. And I think in the heat of the moment when you're like, I'm going to become a better fighter, <laughs> meaning like a better arguer, a better understand, you know, you're willing to improve. Understander. Understander. It, it, it takes time. And I think that it, it takes a concerted effort. And in the moment, When you first get started and through this process of trying to become a better, well, for me, trying to become a better human being in in all respects takes time. And I think you, it takes a real effort to think about what's happening in the heat of the moment. Well, and when you're, when you're pissed off, when you're frustrated, when you're, you know, engaging in in some degree of conflict, you're not going to be your best self. Like I, I can tell you, I know I wasn't my best self yesterday. And I can also admit that over the last three weeks, being kind of feeling trapped in the house and not knowing what the outcome of this will be, I'm not as patient as I normally am. I notice that I'm feeling frustrated really easily. And then I'll get frustrated that I'm frustrated you know that's a a secondary emotion meaning that's my jam i feel a primary emotion which is frustration Uh, i'm probably not actually feeling frustrated i'm probably feeling scared or something else but i'm feeling frustrated because it's the easiest most aggressive kind of anger and frustration are easy to go to but then i get mad at myself for being frustrated instead of you know being a better version of myself i feel that secondary emotion which is a feeling in response to the <laughs> first feeling and i noticed that yesterday i just was like no i need you to stop and apologize and i know that i wasn't backing down and i need to i don't want to say get better at that cuz i was better at that and now i'm regressing <laughs> i do feel like the 
the intensity of the whole situation is making you know me not my best self and sometimes I am like for example my perspective on things is still very good I think like I you know I'm not upset about not getting to go on this dream trip like I really don't mind at all I really do feel grateful for getting to be home and safe and I don't have to convince myself of that like I just I feel it but then yeah when I'm reacting to you I'm I'm just I'm a little bit more um I want to say reactive but it's worse than that I'm I'm pissy I'm just pissy faster (laughs) yeah and and all of those things are fair and I think it's hard to really understand at the you know, the root issues behind things unless you really sit down and can and can reflect on yourself. So like, for instance, I'm upset right now over, you know, it's coming up on a year since our dog died. I'm upset about that. I'm upset about the trip that we aren't going on. And again, these may sound really silly to people who have real problems mm-hmm. in their lives, but all of these things contribute to how I responded to you. Well, an emotional response is real regardless of, and I always use this example, regardless of whether or not somebody who serves you a coffee is rude or someone you really love is demeaning toward you those feelings of rejection are real and the way you know your body responds and your mind to rejection are real whether it's something really intense or something that in the grand scheme when you sit back is rather innocuous but it really is the it's emotional pain and it's rejection and we need to work on that even more if you go back there's an episode with Karen B.K. Chan. That was on, great. Yeah, on emotional literacy and managing rejection. I'd love to do a part two with them because they were really amazing. But if we go back, so we, we went of off veered. on it. Yeah, we went off a tangent talking about a conflict we had yesterday that I'm, you know, I'm glad we had. The other thing we have to remember is that sometimes these small conflicts are a way to relieve tension. And when you relieve tension through small conflicts that are fairly easily resolvable, it can help to stave off the building of tension that could result in a in a bigger fight or argument that is more difficult to resolve. So we came to this from the discussion of different perspectives on porn and whether or not you get a say in your partner's porn habits. And I think what's most important is that you you consider your partner's feelings and you think about whether or not you want to change your habits. Because if you do something because you feel forced to do so, you're just going to get frustrated and resentful. So you might be able to make some changes. Like, for example, maybe I don't watch porn in the living room. I don't know. (laughs) At the dinner table. Maybe I just refrain. Um, Or maybe, you know, we watch it together. Or maybe we just keep doing whatever feels good for ourselves. Maybe some people don't agree with this. You don't have to agree with me. I'm not right, okay? I just have some ideas. Um, I keep doing what I'm doing. You keep doing what you're doing, but we talk about it more, right? And maybe we need to start by talking to ourselves about, like, if you're uncomfortable with your partner's porn habits, can you dig deep? Can you not make excuses? Can you really think about what bothers you about porn? Because sometimes people talk about what you brought up initially, which is misogyny or specific depictions. But do you consider the same moral or personal issues when you look at other forms of entertainment like Hollywood movies and Mm. books and music videos because they are no more honoring of the female porn form, for example. They are no more better. They are no better at offering a wide array of depictions and body types. So is your dislike reserved for porn alone? And if that's so, what are the sexual hangups and sexual shames and personal shame around 
those feelings because we do we scapegoat porn and we say oh it's degrading of women or it's only one body type okay first of all there's good porn out there there's ethical porn and you can go back and listen to the episode with jet setting jasmine who produces ethical porn but really i think we need to dig deeper are you afraid that porn sets a standard you know with which you can't compare do you feel as though you're not enough for your partner are you jealous that they're spending more time online than with you so is it actually not about porn maybe it's more about their digital habits so can you consider some of these questions think about them for yourself then talk about how you feel and then really I do think that when we're feeling something we need to consider what we can do what can I do to adjust my feelings as opposed to solely making demands of my partner. I'm not saying that my partner is not going to be open and willing to listen and consider my perspective. Uh, and I hope that they take my feelings into consideration. I would hope that if you express feelings of vulnerability, that they are responding with care and love and reassurance. But let's just remember, if you go at them with accusations and blame and judgment, you are not going to get the love and care as a response. You're going to get defensiveness or withdrawal or counter accusations. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's no right answer because some people will agree that porn is a part of monogamy and so maybe we only watch it together. And if that works for you, so be it. I'm like my personal perspective, not in a professional capacity whatsoever and not based in research. My, my perspective is that if something is appealing to you, I'm really curious to explore it. And if something is appealing to you and it makes me uncomfortable, I don't really want to be the one who's setting limits for you. I, I want you to get to explore and feel good. And maybe we have to remember that that's underpinned by the fact that I always know that, that you put this relationship first and that I'm a value to you and that you love and honor and respect me. And so because we have that foundation and because I do feel that foundation is so strong that I might be more open to certain things because I don't really feel that I don't feel that porn is going to shake that foundation for example yeah I feel like you've said so much that you know little bite-sized pieces are great starting points like even just thinking about having the conversation with your partner like what do they like and before you do anything you think about how do you feel about that like if you were to tell me what you liked before I even responded to you just take a moment and think about how does that make me feel and how, um, like, how am I going to engage with you about that? Like before making that quick snap response, mm -hmm. like just think, okay, how, that's, how do I feel and how do I, how do I move forward? I think it's hard sometimes though to figure out what you feel on the spot. Uh, I think sometimes we just need a moment. We need to take a beat too and, and say, okay, maybe in my mind I have to remind myself I should be thankful that you shared that with me. And I want to remain curious. Right now, I want to punch you, but I'm thankful that no. <laughs> it's like, what do you think I'm watching that you want to punch me? Not no, at all. I'm just no, kidding. I'm just saying I'm just that kidding. people feel um, it can feel really bad, especially if somebody is really into something that seems the opposite of you. I mean, I definitely see that differently because I love that you're into things that are the opposite of me because it lets me see you in a different dimension. I'm like, oh, Brandon's not just the man he is with me. He's this man in a very different way in a potentially different scenario. That, I mean, that's something to further explore. I'd also like to talk, if I have time, I'd like to do some of these quickie episodes. Well, this was supposed to be a shorter episode, but then we started talking about our fight yesterday. Our fight in, the, in the pantry. In the pantry. Uh, but I'd like to think 
talk a little bit about uh, porn addiction and what the research says around porn addiction and how it's iatrogenic, meaning that the diagnosis itself causes the symptoms and look at some of the evidence against it and look at the ways we scapegoat porn. Uh, I, I could have somebody who's more learned in the field perhaps than me or just do a quickie on it. So uh, I think we're going to stop there. Brandon, thanks for chatting. Thank you. It was great. Yeah. Given that we're, given the fact that we're at home more and not on the run, perhaps release a few shorter episodes in between our regular Friday. So thank you to you for tuning in. Thanks for chatting with me, babe. As always. I know I don't listen to these back before I release them because I might be like, oh, do I really want to share that story about our fight? Yeah, I know. You sound Maybe yeah, I sound like cool. an idiot, but <laughs> we're going to leave it as be. Wherever you're at, folks, hope you're having a great one. Hang in there. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. <laughs>